I'm a big fan of HubSpot. They're a B2B company that pioneered offering free certification courses. And one of the persons behind HubSpot's Academy's early success is Chris LaDolce. He's the former director of HubSpot Academy. Now he's the founder of SaaS Academy Advisors, where he helps SaaS companies build their own academy. In this Marketing Power-Ups episode, you learn first, Chris' transformative customer education framework. Second, how to map out your customer education roadmap. Third, how to calculate the ROI of your customer education programs. And number four, one power-up that's accelerated Chris' career. Before you get started, I've created a free power-up cheat sheet that you can download and apply Chris' transformative customer education strategy to your business right away. You can get it now at marketingpowerups.com or find that link in the show notes and description. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing Power-Ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Ramley John. Well, Chris, thank you for joining. I'm super excited to talk about, you know, HubSpot Academy and SaaS Academy Advisors and help you helping companies with, with academies. I know you were one of the earliest professors at HubSpot Academy. What was that experience like? Like, where, was it like a moment of like, excitement at that time or like more, I, I'm guessing it was a startup, maybe more of a, uh, a sense of like trying to figure stuff or advent, like more like an adventurous, like try, really trying to figure out how you can make Academy work at HubSpot. Happy to give some background there. Really interesting story. So when I joined HubSpot in 2011, um, there was a team of three people Let's see if I can remember everybody. We'll get our academy history at HubSpot straight. Um, it was uh, somebody by the name of Lucy, uh, somebody by the name Lucy. of Brian, uh, Logan Reed, uh, Lucy Orluck, Brian, Logan Reed, and then Mike Ewing. Shout out to Mike Ewing. Um, those three were working on what they called one-to-many training. Essentially, our customer base, training. our small businesses, back then it was small, medium, large, whichever size product you want to buy. Um, and small in 2011 was a $50 product. So the folks on that were your uh, fencing companies, your HVAC companies. Um, these were folks who were just getting online for the first time. Maybe they had a static one page, you know, screenshot of their mailer um, or picture of their mailer that was uploaded. And they were getting to this, like, what is blogging? How to use keywords? All of these things. So these folks, essentially, they, hubs, they were getting onboarding from a individual eight hours or six to eight hours Wow. And that was costing, you know, basically the, the, the payback was really long, right? Cause they're only paying 50 bucks. Just the onboarding was going to take us years to get that back. Um, and so they were working on this idea of one to many training, which is essentially a series of webinars. And what we saw was that move the needle a little bit focused on teaching them how to use the product. Uh, but these folks were really busy, right? So coming to a webinar when they had a, a quote to go give or something else, uh, wasn't really working up market a little bit in our medium sized businesses. We had, uh, the, the one-on-one consultants, which is what I was doing. Um, and, and in that sense, it made, you know, they were paying us hundreds of dollars and that payback made sense to have a, a individual onboarding, um, experience. So for the smaller cohort, it was, and it, it was like the first attempt and we could see a little bit of the metrics moving in terms of retention and product usage, but not much. Um, so as that team moved on to, I think Lucy went to do in, uh, in-person training, Brian Logan Reed started a new team. This was like hyper growth at, at HubSpot. So everyone's like working on different projects. Mike yeah. Ewing went to, to start a new team too, I think. Um, and the next version of that was Mike Redboard, uh, Sarah. Uh, Bedrick and Ryan Brown. And they, uh, that was the first time when that team was doing it where they kind of came up with the idea of let's call it Academy. Um, mm. But again, it was focused more at the, the really the smaller folks who we couldn't um, financially make the metrics work for giving them a one-on-one onboarding experience. So it was a group experience. Um, and, and similarly, we were able to see some metrics move uh, when it came to here's how to blog, here's how to use email. Uh, but but not enough that it was really the the right strategy to keep moving forward. Um, so at, at that point in time, it was 2012. Uh, while this was all happening, myself, Mark Killens, and a bunch of other uh, consultants, Andrew, um, we were called consultants back then, onboarding specialists today. Uh, we were all doing this one-on-one consulting. And what we were finding was uh, we were essentially having the same calls, right? Lined up back to back, all next to each other, wearing that helicopter pilot, like talking. And what we realized was we're, we're doing the same thing. We're sharing, Hey, I just made this word doc. This was like before Google docs. Um, Mm -hmm. so here's this word doc with these like 20 tips. 
I said, oh, let's turn that into a blog. Oh, can I send that to my customer? And what we realized was we were basically doing the same thing, even with our upmarket clients. We were still mm. having the same conversations. We were still reviewing the same landing pages. We were still sharing the same best practices. We were still sharing the same blog posts. Um, and so what we realized was, well, maybe there's something more to that. So Mark Killens, uh, Julie Hogan, a couple other folks started what they called Content Camp. Um, and the idea there was like, we're going to do webinars for customers. In 2011, this was like kind of a novel idea, right? Like yeah, webinars were lead gen. Now we have our customers like, cool. But it was like, let's create something. And so Mark and uh, Julie and a couple other folks, Billy McDonald, a few other folks started this thing. And Mark Chillings really brought this new type of like, energy to this. And it was mm. like, okay, it's about using the product, but it's more about what are we what are we using the project product for? Why are we using the product? Um, and so they had a nice blend of kind of best practices in the, those days. That's, you know, we use the word best practices and, uh, and kind of how to use the tools. And so to 2012, the second iteration of Academy, those folks were going on to do different things. Mike Redborg got promoted. Uh, Ryan Brown went to the marketing team. Sarah Bedrick joined Mark Killens and myself, Mark Killens being the manager to do V3 of HubSpot Academy. Mm, so this is one of those things where it's like, we're, we're in a, you know, the CS team, we're consultants at this point, senior consultants, more customers than we could ask, more growth opportunity into management. And we were, we were at this position where it's like, we know there's something, we know there's a code to crack, we're close yeah. to it, we feel it. These webinars are showing us there's something more than just this idea of onboarding training for small folks, everybody wants to learn. Um, and so to your, to your question, as we went into, as I set the scene, we went into this with like, there's something to figure out here. Um, there's not a playbook that exists because most training was, you know, in person, uh, a la carte, we're going to build a bespoke training program for you, or we're going to do these kind of group webinars. Um, so going into this, it was like Mark Killens leading Sarah and myself, Sarah, myself, and Mark. We were all professors, right? So we were all doing the teaching. Um, and the goal of this training was really just to get folks to use the three apps that if all three of those apps within HubSpot were used, your attention was close to 100, whereas any other combination was 60% or low. Like it was, you know, it was wow. the early days of SaaS. Yeah. We're still learning what churn or retention, retention means. Um, and so that was our goal. Marketing, um, the three apps that, that existed that basically we had to get folks to use was email, blog, and landing pages. Um, if we flip that around, blog, yeah. how to get people, attract people to your website, right? landing page, how to convert folks to, to become leads, and then email, how do you engage those leads and hopefully get them sales ready. Um, so again, like Back in that day, the idea of a landing page to most folks was a completely, you know, novice mm. or a completely new yeah. idea, completely new idea. And so what we did for the first about six months to a year was essentially created one hour trainings where wow. we broke down um, the education. We can definitely get more into that, but it was on each one of these topics. But mm. first we set the scene of how each of these apps fit into your greater inbound marketing strategy. Um, and again, the focus was, let's get people to use the products and the tools. Back then again, people were just, they might've been on Internet Explorer and Internet Explorer like didn't work with HubSpot, right? So it was like yeah. something as simple as making sure they were using the right technology. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of these folks were marketers who went to school prior to computers and the internet being used in, right. in daily business life. Um, so there was a lot of that. Uh, and then on top of that, how do you actually use the software? And so for us, that was the focus is just teaching those classes multiple times a week and not just saying, here's how to do it, but sharing the, the best practices, sharing like the methodology, where they were in their marketing kind of ecosystem, uh, and then doing workshops. So we would actually have people in real time build their landing page and then share it out with the, with everybody else and then give feedback in real time, uh, which again, now it's like, well, of course, like everyone does that back then it was, it was hard to get folks to share, right? It's like their work yeah. that, you know, um, and, and so that was, that was really year one was figuring out that delivery method, figuring out how we are from the back end. I like to say with educational content, even front end, the user experience, yeah. how it looks, the back end is the coding, right? How are we creating learning objectives? 
how are we testing against them? How do we make sure that folks have actually learned? But then the beautiful thing with technology and SaaS is the actions and behavioral changes they've taken based off of those learnings, which translates to product usage, which then ideally, if the product is used correctly, translates to results, which then, of course, means upgrades, hopefully, cross-sells, hopefully, but at least retention. I love how like the products are tied to the, the inbound flywheel that I know HubSpot was like really evangelizing about the attract, engage, and then like the convert or like the light. And really like you're, you're, you attach it to like three use cases or features, the landing page, the email, uh, and then the blog, uh, which makes a, makes a ton of sense there. How, how did you land? I guess. I'm curious how you landed on those three. Like, how did the team figure out, like, or did it just make sense? Because, like, this is the, the three things that you need to do to accomplish this flywheel, uh, this three. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. So um, our, our data team, our analytics team figured that out. Um, looking, just looking at product app usage and retention, we're doing, like, cohort analysis. Uh, so they're the ones who figured that out, uh, which, which was definitely helpful for us. Believe it or not, those were not the tools at the time which were being, which were closing the most deals. We had some social tools. Um, so people were buying for social. There were some people who were using the social tools a ton, but that didn't translate to retention, right? So some mm-hmm. of our most popular tools weren't um, some of the, the tools that were the most, uh, th- that drove the most retention. Like one yeah. of our most popular tools back then was you could see the essentially the country and like region of America where somebody or anywhere in the world where someone was coming from like that data, just giving that to marketers back then, that was like, I mean, that was like a Alexa on steroids. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's like, people love that, right? People got that, but that usage had no correlation to retention. Um, mm. Right. Cause it, 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 it was cool to see, but was it helping their business grow? Yeah. Was it getting more leads in the door? Like, no, it, it wasn't. Uh, and, and so, so that's, you know, it was definitely the data team, the product team looking at those metrics and then us coming in and say, okay, we've got to figure this out. The layup that we got, and I always like to say this, HubSpot Academy was standing on the shoulders of a giant or on the top mm. of a mountain and we had a microphone. Um, and so we were really fortunate in the situation we were in because we had this business that was growing quickly. We had phenomenal leadership who was spending the time learning from the, you know, g- generation one of, of SaaS companies, the sales forces, the boxes, everybody yeah. who had come before HubSpot. Um, and so we had, we had a really good platform and audience to bring folks into, but we also had the methodology. So when we, when, you know, when I started HubSpot, method, version one of the me- methodology was get found convert, analyze, right? Mm-hmm. So there's three phases and it does because that's what HubSpot offered. Tools to get found. I mean, this was like the days of our co-founders getting on phone with customers and like helping them rank in, on dig, right? Like that was a big yeah. deal, right? How do you get found? Uh, and then the convert was landing pages and the analyze was just the analytics of how did people get to your website and how what percentage of them filled out a form. That was it, right? And as HubSpot grew, they had to make a strategic decision, which was we're going to go they called it Mary Mofu monetization. I think there's a Harvard case study on it now. But it was like, okay, Mary, which was our persona, which was mid-market, not owner Ali, which was the individuals that we were just talking about trying to educate. Um, and then Mofu is middle of the funnel, right? Our email tools, all of these different tools, and then monetization, right? How are we going to monetize that? Um, and so as we moved to that, what we realized was, well, wait a second, get get found, convert, analyze that methodology, which was in the original inbound book and on every single presentation anyone gave was no longer as relevant. It was being used less at the business. Um, so Mark Killens led the charge uh, with the academy team and folks around the business to come up with our second version, which at that point was attract, convert, close, and delight. And it told a really nice linear story around uh, you know, how you're going to, these strangers are gonna find you, how you're gonna convert yeah. those strangers into known leads and then, you know, engage with those leads to a point where they become a customer. And then once they're a customer, it's time to help them. It helped delight them so that in turn, they attract more people to your website. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that methodology then involved another time 
a few years later, 2018, 2019, when Brian Halligan, as he's looking at the market, the executive leadership team, you know, the board, the board, the investors, all the people are looking around and saying, what's the future? And very quickly, they realize this idea of a linear approach to the customer experience. It, it was outdated. And that's when HubSpot Academy updated everything again um, to, br- to bring in this idea of a flywheel and force flywheel, and, yeah. and, and friction and what that means. Um, and so the, the real takeaway here, the nugget, I would say, is that without something like HubSpot Academy being built over those six mm-hmm. years or so at that yeah. point, for a business to be able to say, okay, we're now going to update this methodology, which is splattered across thousands of, maybe even hundreds of thousands of websites explaining this is what inbound marketing is, this is what inbound, this is how you do it. Now we're going to change from a linear to a flywheel. It still took us two or more years to really get that into the market, but we were able to update our certification, which 10, hundreds of thousands of people uh, had this inbound marketing certification. We were able to say, look, your certification, you know, it, every year, every two years it expires. When you take it again, times have changed. Business, you know, mm. tech has evolved. Yeah. Here's how we're thinking about customers. And we were able to essentially re-educate the market with this really powerful tool, HubSpot Academy. If yeah. you're a business and you don't have a way to educate your customer base, all of your stakeholders, whether they're customers, industry folks who are learning from you, partners, if you don't have that, it's going to be really hard to evolve your business and to release new tools that fit into the methodology you're currently teaching. So it's easy to bring new customers on, but you're leaving everyone behind. And we know how important it is, especially today with efficient growth. How do you continue to nurture the people who have invested in you and given you the money to continue to grow and not just say, thank you, let's focus on on new folks. Um, So the academy really was that and still today is very much a big piece of of the entire experience somebody has with HubSpot, even if they've never purchased the product and never planned to. That's super interesting that it's like this approach, like as you evolve your, uh, your framework and approach, you're also bringing those people, those academy learners along for the journey so that they get updated along as well, which is super interesting. Exactly, uh, exactly. I want to ask about that interesting thing you mentioned around like how most people signed up early in the early days for HubSpot for that social piece. And I guess that is that where HubSpot Academy fit? Like how do you get them to level up and like use the three things that you mentioned earlier, the you know landing page, blog, and email, or was it something else that you know is that part of the thought process? Like, how do we educate our our um, our customers so that they eventually adopt these other uh, features? Essentially, yeah, absolutely. It was how yeah how do we how do we educate our users so that they understand the importance of these apps? Important because when we yeah. dug into the data. It wasn't that they were just like sending email. It was that the email tool was actually driving value for the business. Mm-hmm. The blogging tool was the number one tool to drive qualified traffic to the website, not mm-hmm. getting on dig or get, you know, back then it might have been, you know, it was keyword stuffing, put a thousand keywords, make them white so on the background of your days. white website. <laughs> so easy, so easy, right? But now you're getting all this traffic. Um, I mean, we had a Facebook plugin. I remember with a customer, we did a giveaway for a plow. Um, and we got like, it was like something like 12 or 13,000 leads. And that actually worked because it was a B2C application, but for, for, you know, B2B companies, it, it wasn't working. So for us, it was very much, how do we explain where these tools fit into the success of their business? And right. it was very much to, to what you had brought up originally about that methodology. It's like, we have a map for you. Here's the map. Mm. You don't, these people don't know who you are. You don't know who they are. And these are people who are paying for your services and love you. Yeah. Here are the yeah. three tools that if you use them and you use them, you know, in unison with a unified approach or strategy are going to bring, is going to bring you more business. And yeah. I think it was as much us teaching that content as it was that map, that methodology. Um, and you'll see that with a lot of companies top right on any G2 quadrant you look at, those companies in the top right have a point of view on the market. They have an approach, whether that's, yeah. you know, Gainsight and their methodology and how to think about customer success and, you know, this evolution of the chief customer officer, whether it's Gong, whoever it is, they have this approach. Sometimes it's more prevalent yeah. on the website. Sometimes it's less. 
but they have a point of view in the market and they're able to connect that point of view mm -hmm. to the product. Um, you probably know this for AFQs, right? And then they're able to, over time, evolve that point of view as their business grows, as they add more features, as they go into new segments of the market and continue to tell that story. Um, and that's where, you know, the, the storytelling piece of education really comes in is being able to evolve that story uh, and teach folks how to continually be successful with a, a growing product. I feel like you're starting to get into like the transform transformational education you're talking about, like how you know, educational content and academies like this can really help like, um, you know, that behavioral change and like help it. Yeah. Really. Can you talk a little bit about that transform transformational education yeah. that you want to chat about? Definitely. So, so I, I always like to say one of the most exciting parts about being on the educational side, um, in SAS specifically versus in any, whether it's L D or any other part of the world is that the educational content that is consumed, we can track the consumption and how someone's consumed that. Um, yeah. We can then track how impactful it was in terms of was somebody able to remember, um, or were they able to analyze it? We can we can use kind of Bloom's taxonomy to look at that and say, okay, you know, what did somebody learn or not learn? And that's mostly where our analytics stop when it comes to higher education uh, or you know any other type of traditional education. What we can do with educational content, educational programming in SAS is then say, what were the behavioral changes of this individual? And what did that lead to in their job, in their career? Um, so when we talk about transformational education or transformative educational experiences, the goal isn't to tell somebody what to do. The goal isn't even just to tell somebody how to do something. Mm. Um, or why they should do it. The goal is to put these three things in context, why this matters for their business, why this matters for their career. Um, and, you know, and when I say why it matters for the business, it's the goals, it's the growth, it's all that. For their career, it's potentially a promotion, a, a, you know, a new job, um, whatever that may be. And how do we mix those things together um, for them to see how this is going to truly benefit them to learn it and then put that in the context of what are the ideal approaches, right? What are, what are the strategies? That's the how. Here's how you're going to do it. So we're going to contextualize that philosophy, these ideas into that how, into the strategy. And then we just have the what. Here's what you need to do, right? This is maybe more like of the building a landing page, whatever it is. So that framework we definitely use. We stole that from Simon Sinek. One yeah. could argue he, he found it from somebody else. Um, start with why. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, I like it. But uh, that that worked incredibly well for us to then start tracking these behavioral changes. And when we look at HubSpot and we look at the advocates of HubSpot Academy, it was always the, the folks who had a transformative experience that would reach out to us, that would write blog posts about us. There's actually some podcasts out there I can share the links with you um, where these folks talk about and share their experience of finding HubSpot Academy, learning about inbound marketing, then you know applying for an agency, getting a job, and growing their career based off of the educational content that was provided. And the fact that it wasn't, oh, we need to get users to use that product. Great. Go show them how to use the product and make them sit there and watch your video for an hour. But it wasn't that. Yes, that was part of it. But our goal never, as we sat down in the room and we talked about success, our goal yeah. never was how many users looked at our looked at the you know the videos. We needed as many users as possible. Our yeah. a goal was to get users to those videos. But our question always was, how many folks did we create a transformative educational experience for? Mm -hmm. What behaviors? Did we change? Yeah. And you'll see if you go back on LinkedIn, you'll see Kyle Jeffs and other folks would always ask folks who posted on LinkedIn, what are you doing differently after taking that course? Yeah. And that's the transformative piece that we're tracking mm. qualitatively to some degree in that sense. But man, some of those responses were awesome when you heard about how they changed their approach to sales or marketing and yeah. what those benefits were. If you change somebody's life, their career in any way, I shouldn't say you mm. change it. You create an opportunity for them to change their own yeah. life. Um, you give them that. Um, they're going to be fans of yours forever. Um, and the exercise I always love to do with that is just to tell folks to take a second and think about one to three teachers or professors that had a, a, a impact on who you are today, whether that's guiding you down a career path, whether that's, you know, um, helping you maybe in a subject that you were interested, whatever that may be. 
usually somebody can think of that one or a few teachers that had that impact on them that changed the trajectory of their life or transformed them. And if you think about who that professor was or that teacher was um, or that mentor was, and you look at what was it about that person, and we're going a little bit in a rabbit hole here, but what you'll find is it was never the teacher who stood up there reading off slides. It was never yeah, the true. teacher with a monotone voice, right? It was somebody yeah. who, who you felt like they saw you. And lots of times it wasn't the same teacher that you felt saw you as your friends, right? But you, they, they saw you, they understood you, they listened to you, they taught in a way that resonated with you. They had passion for the subject. Mm. Right? All of those things video brings to the table that you can translate through educational content Whereas just a screen recording of somebody talking to it, as great as that content is, is like a brilliant person standing up in, in front of a lecture and doesn't engage the group. It does, there is no dialogue. Um, there is no passion in, in the topic, even though they've dedicated their entire life to, to whatever that is. And so when it comes to that transformative educational experiences, there's so much that goes into it to, to really, again, approach educational content, approach building an academy with that being the end goal. Of course, we have to look at all the metrics. If the metrics aren't mm -hmm. there, it doesn't make sense. And let's get into the metrics. Um, <laughs> but but if the goal is the metrics, yeah. you're, you're very quickly forgetting that there's real people behind those user numbers yeah. and educational content, its power is uplifting and giving folks, sharing folks, or sharing with folks that knowledge that they can use to grow themselves, to grow their businesses, mm -hmm. to grow their careers, to create opportunities that otherwise they might not have been able to to get. Uh, and that's, you know, that's that's what makes, at least for me, makes it so much fun to be in this industry is being able to mm -hmm. do that. And not just, you know, originally it was in English and now HubSpot Academy is in six languages, um, self, you know, translated by communities and other languages. Uh, and it's just, you know, it, it's powerful. Right? These SaaS businesses today, at least, are giving a lot of this content away for free and it's creating, uh, you know, at least a little bit more opportunity for folks maybe who otherwise wouldn't have access to a university, um, you know, where traditionally this, this is where you get that information. And even today, universities are playing catch up with, you know, SAS academies, uh, across all of the industries because stuff changes every month and who keeps that up to date more often than not. It's, it's, you know, a little bit easier to pivot when you're not a sanctioned educational body uh, <laughs> by, by the state or the government. Like um, so yeah. definitely no knock on higher ed because it's hard. And I know it's, it's hard what they're trying to do to keep up with technological yeah. changes. Um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a special place to be in terms of education. I really like how like the focus is on the change in behavior in like, who are, I forgot who you mentioned that would like reach out and be like, how did your, how did this course change your behavior? A lot of that qualitative stuff helps you helps you remind it reminds us that what we're doing can transform can change people's the way they do things uh and really like that's a huge impact to that instead of like you know you, we mentioned around metrics um and like that that is there is humans behind those metrics that we need to remember i love that in terms of those metrics what are some of those metrics that you need to, to look at yeah i'm curious like so uh, obviously, completion maybe, or like you know, like uh, adoption of futures. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really curious what metrics you were looking at upspot, but as well as like what you would now suggest to for people who are interested in, in launching. Yeah, I know you help out um, different SaaS businesses with launching their academies. What metrics they should be looking at? Yeah, yeah, okay. There's a few different ways to break down the metrics. Um, this, this is a fun one. The, the first thing I just say from a high level is if you're trying to use an academy as a solution to help solve for one strategic initiative at your business, that's a departmental strategic initiative, chances are this is going to be a step function of a team that has one or two people and never actually really grows or reaches mm -hmm. its full potential. Um, if you look at any business, again, if you're looking at Gong or you're looking at Salesforce Trailhead, HubSpot Academy, there's a ton of great examples out there today. Uh, you'll find that these companies have approached the academy uh, as a way to provide educational content from pre-sales industry content all the way through their customer experience. So when we look at metrics and we look at data, what I find the easiest to do is create three buckets. 
you have yeah. the the impact on the business and a top line biz, business metrics, right? Churn, CAC, LTV, all of those things. So we can talk about that. Then we have your departmental metrics. So if we go down one level from from churn, what are we looking at um, in terms of CS org? And we're looking at renewal rates, we're looking at upsells, we're looking at cross sells, some things in there, um, product usage, et cetera. And then we're going to go ticket deflection for support. From there, we're going to go to our program metrics. Uh, and that's what you had mentioned around like completion rates. How many people are completing the courses? What is their average score uh, when it comes to tests? Or what percentage of people are certified? What percentage of people are getting recertified? What percentage of people who have a certification are giving an MPS of nine or 10 promoters versus you know detractors? So there's a lot of things that we kind of move through in each of those three sections. Um, so from the business side, over the years, depending on where HubSpot Academy sat, we started in the customer success org, and then we went from customer success to marketing. Um, so when we were in customer success, it was absolutely product usage, which we knew translated to retention. And so it was a 2015, we had green in 15. So we're looking at our, looking at our retention charts. Our goal is to get people, I want to say to use five plus apps. Because by 2015, it was five people use five plus apps. That cohort had the highest retention. How are we going to get customers to use five plus apps? Um, and so the application, how HubSpot Academy evolved, we actually created additional tools, not just e-learning videos. We started creating what we called projects, where step-by-step, essentially, um, guides that integrated both educational learning, knowledge, industry experts, all into kind of what maybe people would know as Notion today. There's some some interesting things there. We're actually working on redeveloping that tool um, cool. to, to help folks, but uh, really, the idea there was, okay, we know these metrics. How are we going to use HubSpot Academy in that context? So that was one way. Then we started looking and finding that the folks who were buying HubSpot that already had the inbound certification pre-purchase went on to basically reach time to value, adopt those tools much more quickly than customers didn't have a certification. So for a while, the sales team could offer up to, I think it was a 15 or 20% discount on the software or waive the onboarding fee if you had a industry certification, inbound marketing <laughs> certification before you bought, right? And that's yeah. when the business was very much focused on, you know, how are we bringing in new folks and not just anybody, right? of course, and yeah. say yes, but how do we say yes to the right folks or spend our time with the folks who are going yeah. to grow with us um, and yeah. we can add the most value for. Um, so it changed over time, but really, you know, what we were looking at was retention. If you looked at the cohort of uh, logos that had one or more users logging in, to HubSpot Academy on a monthly basis versus the cohort who didn't, you would always find that the cohort of folks logging in was higher, right? And this was the forever argument that exists, which is causation or correlation. Is it just that people who were <laughs> going to be successful committed yeah. the time to learn versus those yeah. who weren't going to be successful? And it's like, yeah, probably a good percentage of that is the case. And so, you know, what our what the the executives who are advocates for HubSpot Academy would always say is, okay, so let's just get rid of HubSpot Academy. What? Well, where are these people going to go learn? Exactly, yeah. right? Like you could get rid of it, but that, and, and you could be right to say, yeah, HubSpot Academy isn't the thing that's actually driving the 10% increase, the 10 point increase in retention. But without it, what is that retention going to look like? Is it going to mm -hmm. look like everybody else? Is it just going to be down five points? Yeah. So, yeah. so it, it was this interesting conversation. So when it comes to ROI, it can be tricky to be like, it, you know, educate, here's an exact percentage increase in retention because of HubSpot Academy or because of your academy. But without fail, what you'll find is folks who are engaging with these learning resources, HubSpot or the clients that we work with, that retention number is higher. Um, the adoption numbers typically is higher. The question is how much of that raise in, uh, in retention or product usage is directly correlated to yeah. Or you know, there's direct causation between those, that's and not just correlated. Um, and so that's that's the tricky part with the business metrics. But I mean, every business metric we looked at, uh, we, we would find there was a positive impact when when we measured that. Um, you know, there's some interesting ones too. I'll throw out one interesting one, which was okay <laughs> the the time to the time to close. So what our sales team would do a lot back in the day was yeah. they'd have a call with somebody say. Oh, 
I have a Marketo contract or I have a Sharp Spring or whatever the competitors yeah. were at that time, uh, six months. I really want to join, you know, I really want to, to switch over. Can you get back to me in six months? Well, what the sales reps would do would be like, hey, you got six months. Yeah. I know your, what your goals are. Go take this, go take this certification. For free. Get, for free. Yeah. For free. Get, get back, get back to me. Let me know how it goes, right? The sales rep yeah. could see when they completed it, if they completed it. So when you looked at if somebody took the certification pre-sale, what was their time to close? It was actually longer because most of the time it was being used as a way to keep folks engaged versus just the drip emails. Mm. When then you actually started dissecting that and looking a little bit more closely, what you found was if people entered into a opportunity uh, or qualified lead and were engaged with with your sales rep, and then that inbound certification or the you know academy was shared, that actually helped close deals more quickly in that first like thirty days. After that, it was skewed. The metric yeah. was being skewed because people were using it as a nurturing tool um, and to keep people engaged, which was which was a super interesting metric initially to be like, wow, time, like time to close. HubSpot Academy slows it down. Who wants that? Right? Like, don't want any, don't want anybody pre-customer or pre-sales yeah. touch it. To oh, wait a second. Actually, the reason why is the is because of how that was being utilized by the mm. sales team. Um, so that was interesting. And the other one from pre-sales or sales that we always tracked was the average discount rate. So the average discount rate mm. on somebody who was, who had, you know, who had consumed or taken the, the inbound certification was much lower. And yeah. we always just attribute that to the fact of like somebody understood the suite of tools and how they were being able, how they were going to be used pre-sale versus showing up and saying, hey, I need a social tool and an email tool. And it's like, well, you're giving me all this other stuff, but I don't really need it. Right. Like I can just go get email from here and I can go get social from here. So let's just like, what can you give me at a discount? Right. So it was like basically selling that vision. It was that it was, it was filling in that void for that consultative sales process. Um, when there was times where, you know, the sales team was inundated with leads or for whatever reason. So that was also helping, uh, with, you know, basically higher contract, uh, average contract prices. I, I love how like, you sharing these examples is like it academy can impact across across the funnel, like all the way from like, you know, like trying to close deal. Like you found that it it that did close it a little bit quicker, and then retention. I'm guessing it also helps with activation. We're like trying to onboard. I mean, that was the initial reason why, right? Like you're trying to do one yep. to many, <laughs> so it's like right across the whole flywheel and uh, the journey of the user or the customer. It it can have a ton of value uh, to to the the whole experience uh, to it, and you talking about it becoming more sticky. Like you you it ties back to what you mentioned earlier. How you know if if you have that teacher that like helped you, like how much like of a big fan you'll be with that about that teacher or professor. I think it's the same thing with this, where you know it's hard to approve co-session like you mentioned, but like there is a strong hypothesis that you helping them. Um, they, they feel good about the brand and they're more likely to stick around longer than they are if if uh, if it's a more transactional experience this this feels more like a I don't know would you say it's more relation relationship focus because they you are building this educational transformative uh, experience to them rather than just like a, a buy and get kind of experience yeah yeah I, I definitely more. More of that relation, relational or relationship based um, approach for for sure, and you see that. Like one story I love to share is, I Brian Halligan, who is the CEO, uh, co-founder of HubSpot. Uh, you know, he was he was always still probably today going to MIT teaching. He was a big believer in teaching. Right, so HubSpot Academy was essentially like a metamorphosis of Brian Halligan into a program. Um, and I think a lot of HubSpot in general, that idea of teaching him and Darmesh were always teaching everybody internally and educating folks externally. Well, that resulted in myself learning about HubSpot, myself using HubSpot, then joining HubSpot, and then having that opportunity to essentially teach what Brian and Darmesh were finding out um, to the market. Um, and one of the folks who was in our uh, one of our first cohorts back in 2011 ended up starting a program, starting an agency, uh, and now is one of the bigger agencies in Spain. He went on to start teaching in his universities. I was in Spain doing a talk, 
uh, at his conference and somebody came up to me who had met him at, in one of the classes as a student, she ended up joining the agency and was then teaching at her university what inbound marketing was. Right? So it's, it's not just like the relationship and the, the affinity to a brand, but it's the like, hey, this changed my life. And this isn't like a cult. This is like business strategies that are working. And I'm here to like, I want to share this with other people, right? It works. Like when you find yeah. something that works in business, it doesn't yeah. happen every day. You get, there's a lot of, there's a lot of snake sales going on, snake oil <laughs> sales going on. And when you find something, you want to share it. And, and that's yeah. the, the true power of the education, right? It's like when you learn and someone transforms your life or creates that transformative educational experience, you want to give that, you want to pass that on. And so just to be like in different parts of the world and mm -hmm. hearing that story and meeting somebody who, and just kind That's of cool. talking backwards on how we, you know, had, had come to learn about inbound, the, the power of that educational yeah. content. It, it's just so great. And the, the tricky part is if you don't have an executive who gets it, Mm. to try to sell what we're talking about now can yeah. be difficult. And so yeah. it usually means starting with an MVP, we can definitely get more tactical in a bit. Um, yeah. There are ways to, to get there, right? There are ways, if you have an executive who's like, we want an academy, that's awesome. We love working with those businesses. If, you, you know, if you're in that situation where you're one or two people in the CS org and you're trying to start an academy, the road's going to be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. It, you can get there. Um, but it's gonna it's gonna definitely be a lot more transactional to begin, a lot more you know quick fast iterations. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, you know just I always like to reiterate as many po times as possible like, the power of this education and how it grows your ecosystem and impacts your ecosystem yeah. can't uh, can't be qualified today. Hopefully someday it can be quantified. Uh, it yeah. can be qualified, but quantified in a way that you know we could bring a a sheet to, to an executive team and say, That's here's cool. every way it's impacting <laughs> the ecosystem. Um, yeah. But there's plenty of metrics that yeah. give it enough credibility yeah. to exist, um, even okay. without some of these more high-level um, yeah. impacts on, on the ecosystem. Uh, that's such a cool story where like there's that almost fandom, like I'm thinking of like Marvel or like Harry Potter. And now like there's this fandom around this, this, you said cult, but like that's what they call Harry Potter heads or like Star Wars people. But there's this fandom around inbound. And I guess like my my question around, uh, I'm curious like how, it, it's almost a natural progression towards like building a community around this, this, pa this, this topic or this passion. Like, you know, people talk a lot about nowadays like cohort-based courses because like, you know, that builds a community. Was that a, um, a part of the early, like when did that get um, uh, added into the whole ingredient where community and academy um, almost has this synergistic, <laughs> this, this yeah, yeah. symbiotic relationship with each other? It, it's, it's a great question. So I think something that HubSpot always prioritized community. Um, the interesting thing was community as defined, I would say by the industry today is much more of like people thinking of like forums and mm. Slack channels. Community in 2011, 2012 was LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups. And that was basically it for online. Um, maybe if, you know, a few other side things, but there was no Slack back then. Right, hip chat, maybe there was, but many, not many people were using hip chat was like only open to, you know, only confined to businesses. And so that was a, even the online portion of community was small. Where, where was HubSpot investing their money in community? Well, the inbound event, right? We were, I mean, customers were getting cheap, if not free tickets, uh, for, for many years, right? We were losing a lot of money. We were bringing everyone together there. We were then doing what we called hugs, HubSpot user groups. So, um, I forget her first name. Something Goodman was the CEO of Constant Contact, sat on HubSpot's board until we moved into the email space and there's a conflict of interest. Um, but Constant Contact from the beginning did a really good job of having these local meetups. So what HubSpot did, we had, I want to say, 50 chapters or more in the U.S., and externally, we would take the biggest fans, the HubSpot agencies, power users, and we'd give them 5,000 or 2,000, wherever the stipend was each quarter to run an event. And they would, we would, you know, pull a list of everybody in that area, send them an invite and say, Hey, we're going to like meet up and geek out about content or marketing or whatever the topic yeah. was. 
We'd love for you to come, by the way, free drinks, free apps, and we're sending a HubSpotter. So what this mm-hmm. meant was folks like Andrew, uh, myself, Mark, even product folks, we would go to these events. Right? So now all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, I'm just at this, like, I'm in, you know, where is some of the places? I was Oklahoma. I was uh, Louisville. Like I, I was yeah. all over the place, right? And yeah. you walk into this room and it's like, I always like to go back to the human experience. It's like, I'm a marketer. Uh, who maybe went to school for marketing, maybe didn't, found myself in this role. I have this software. Um, I've talked to an amazing support team. And maybe I've learned online. Maybe I've seen Chris in a video from, you know, from Academy. Uh, maybe it was from a webinar, whatever it is. And now Chris is standing here in my town, which no yeah. people ever come to. Right. <laughs> and he's here sharing something that he's learning yeah. that, yeah. that is a collective knowledge from all of HubSpot's customers. And he's taking his, I mean, I still have so many of these HubSpot books. Um, He's taking notes in his HubSpot books, right? And he's (laughs) writing this down. He's getting my email address. And then he's going back, talking to the product manager of this tool that I'm having a problem with and CCing that product manager in. The people who are building the product aren't hidden away, right? 2012, 2013, this was was community. And I still am a big believer in that in-person piece, especially back then showed that HubSpot cared. HubSpot cared about mm. the person sitting in yeah. the office park in a small town in America where the lights are flashing and no one cares about marketing. It's just a waste of a possible sales rep. This is talking 2012, 2012, right? But like, what did marketing do? That's what everyone always used to say. That's not a question anymore. Everyone knows, right? We, yeah. we have the data, but that's what it was. And that showed HubSpot cared. And that's what built mm-hmm. the community. Uh, and then you had your inbound event. And I mean, we had everybody, right? We used to have little pins that said, hug me, I'm a HubSpotter, right? Literally, people would come up and hug you. Um, and it was wow. all based off of Brian Darmesh starting this company and saying, pe- you know, it's all yeah. about people. It's all about those yeah. relationships and it's all about helping folks. And so when it comes to community today, I mean, HubSpot, you know, they have a community team, Academy sits under, un- under that team. Uh, and they're they're very much connected with their boot camps and things that they do online. Um, certainly haven't been there for two years, so can't speak to everything they're doing. Um, mm. But community and the community and academy can create or help facilitate or be a part of it you know, is definitely a real thing. If you're taking an approach where you're actually putting real people on camera, right? there's a lot of academies who are like, we'll do this fast, um, we'll get something out there, and then they never continue to iterate and improve um because it can be you know high production for for people on camera but if there's not real humans at the business it's really hard to you for that academy to facilitate the community or for people to feel a part of something right so you it's i'm always like if if the end goal isn't for us to have an academy where we have real life people sometimes they're experts uh, but more often than not people from your team teaching other people what you know without that you lose a lot of that ability to create a community. You lose a lot of that ability, again, as we were talking about, of the transformation of the inspirational professor. If, if, it's, if it's an AI, you know, if it's an AI bot talking, you know it is, right? You know it's an AI yeah. avatar. Yeah, um, you know. And it just, is that how I want to learn? There might be some people that love it, but more often than yeah. not, I know that the person who programmed that avatar, I will probably never meet. I'll never know their intentions. I'll never be able to have a conversation with them. And at least today, still, more often than not, what we find is people want to learn from people. Um, and, and that, you know, that could be no video, but that's, hey, who, here's who we are. That could be a quick intro video. That could be a link to my LinkedIn profile. That could be a link to Slack to saying, hey, or if you have a community set up, come talk to me here, ask questions here. But it's that accessibility. It's that two way. It's the difference of going to a small class versus a, an auditorium filled with people and you saying like, maybe I'll talk to the TA, but I'm probably never going to actually talk to the professor and they're never going to see my work. How inspired does anybody feel from that? Right. So it's how do you, it's all about creating that experience so that it facilitates and makes somebody want to be part of your community. Because if you spend four hours learning from an experience that doesn't add value to your relationship with the business, like that's a lot of time. How many calls do you have to have with a CSM or to be on support, a call of support to equal four, eight hours of time, right? That's Mm. years possibly, or at least a half a year or maybe multiple years. That amount of time 
your learners are interacting and engaging with your business is in that, in that training. And so that training is very important of how it's presented, how it's trying to connect with the community, um, you know, cross-linking to the community. Some companies do great stuff with cohort training where it's like, do your work, share it on this thread, then make sure you comment on one, you know, on somebody else's work before the next call, the next, you know, session of the cohort. So there's lots of like tactical ways to integrate it in. Um, but I would say like when, when I think of community, I think of, how are you going to impact people's lives, connect with those people, give them a way to connect with you, um, and be able to empower them to share what they've known with other people, right? Because the, the more the more we can facilitate that, even if it's not tracked, even if it's not a way that we own that in our community, love to have our own membership communities where we can we can keep everything. But I mean, more often than not. Folks are connecting, you know, on calls at different events, and we just want them to be able to facilitate and share the knowledge they have with their peers and their coworkers. I love that. I think that really, really resonates. I got a chance to talk to Christina Garnett. She runs uh, the Hubs, Hubs, Hub Fans community right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, everything you said about like the human touch and delighting them, it just builds that deeper connection that makes it. I, this is what I told like it makes it even harder for people to turn away because like they're not just leaving the product they're leaving their people they're leaving their yeah. the, the people that's helped them grow and transform and also the people that they really connect with in a different level so I think that adds an extra layer of stickiness than just like here, here let me help you use our product to like let me help you level up in your career and now like let me be your friend and uh, yeah. you're not turning from the product you're turning from uh, not necessarily breaking up our friendship, but like there is that uh, you know lost opportunity there once you do leave. I, I love that you say that, and that's like the the boomerang, right? So it's like somebody leaves the business, goes to another business, and the mm. first thing they want to do is bring HubSpot with them, <laughs> right? Because they want to get back in that business, or they are only looking for jobs that have HubSpot. Oh. Salesforce does a great job of this too, a trailhead. Uh, but with HubSpot, we we saw that yeah. many times, right? We're bringing, I'm bringing HubSpot with me. I'm not going there. Part of the Part of the agreement is if I am coming, I'm bringing HubSpot. Um, so there is that the FOMO, not maybe not FOMO, but that that wants to continue to learn and grow from that community, and you know not miss out and not yeah not miss out on learning and growing together uh, as a you know a, a bunch of business professionals in sales, marketing, or services mm. or operations. Now, I love that. Uh, thank you for sharing all of this. I want to actually shift gears and talk about yeah. career power-ups. Know that you have been in uh, you know, marketing for over a decade. You've spent actually nine and a half years of that at HubSpot, like have many roles there, uh, ended up becoming director of HubSpot Academy. I'm curious, what's like a career pop that's helped you accelerate your career uh, at HubSpot or anywhere else now that you're here at, um, you know, started your own thing with SaaS Academy Advisors? Yeah, I kind of alluded to it a few times throughout this call, but I would say it's this idea of getting your first 100 transformative educational experiences with folks. If you have 100 people who say, because of the work I did with X, because of the things I learned from X, my career is now, my results are now, my life is now, a hundred of those. Get a hundred of those people and don't sit there trying to figure out how you can automate that 100. Because even if you could automate that 100, you're not going to know what were the things along the way that did that. Mm. Um, So certainly you're probably going to have automation. I'm not saying don't use automation. I'm not saying, you know, don't use email tools. Don't use, uh, you know, any type of automation tool. Uh, But this idea of if I can get, if I can transform a hundred people's lives or create transformative educational experiences for 100 people, I am going to have 100 people who are willing to stand behind me and say, not, I give Chris five stars, I give SAS Academy five stars, but say, here's how, again, working with learning from has impacted or changed my program, my career. That's it. And if you can get 100 people, you know, you can probably get 100 people in anything that you put your mind to. The question is, how long is that going to take? Uh, and how much effort is that going to take? And so when you're going, when you're starting something like SAS Academy Advisors, for us, for me, it's very much like I, we were talking about this before we before we started recording. Like I have two calls a week with 
anybody who wants to chat about building a SaaS academy, right? On our website, you can literally go to the place where it's like, geek out with me. And it's like, my promise for this hour is I'm never going to sell you anything. I'm not going to send you a pricing so link, cool. nothing. Like, let's just talk. And that reason is because uh, my goal, one of my goals is to get to that first 100. We're probably at 40 mm. right now, but it's like, to, to be able to get there, I need so many perspectives and insights um, to be able to provide that back out again. And so I'm a, that's, I would say, my marketing power up. You know, if we zoom down on, it's all about the people. You can't forget mm-hmm. about the people behind the numbers yeah. um, and what they're trying to do and really focusing on helping them elevate themselves. Get to that 100. Get 100 of those folks who stand behind you and say, yes, I can vouch for this and here are the results that I can show you, not because they're my friend, not because they're my network, not yeah. because they're asking a favor. That to me is the, 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 the power up um, that, I, that I would love and I'd love to be able to, to hop over a, a star and, and get those 100 tomorrow. That's cool. Because um, yeah, the knowledge you get from that, those experiences will take you where you want to go. I feel like that also there's like this feedback loop where like the more that you like connect with those 100 people the more likely it kind of evolves the way you think and maybe like help shape how you approach things there is like this cycle of like learning almost like you're learning from me as much as i'm learning from you and that it's like a very healthy it's a transformative experience for both both sides would you say yeah absolutely absolutely um and it's it's interesting because i'm saying like get your first 100 but you probably have to talk to a couple thousand um but (laughs) I think from that you the you you know folks in UI UX are probably like obviously this is this is what they do right you talk you got to yeah. talk to people um, right. but it it is very much yeah the opportunity to learn like for yeah. example as I've talked to more and more folks in the you know SaaS Academy or more customer education segment of of educational programming and SaaS businesses something that keeps coming up is like discoverability right we create this content we create this academy we spend all this time not just writing something, but creating backwards plans with learning objectives that we're going to have tests to track against that. And we're going to tie them into product usage and data. And we're going to do all these things. And then where is everybody? Well, CS has their, their priorities. Marketing has their priorities. And now all of a sudden, I'm trying to fight to get access to this thing that the business has paid to, you know, paid for me to develop. Um, so discoverabilities can be a big issue. And that's why we're you know, working on some free tools right now, because we're like, we know some things that we've done in the past that you know these teams don't have access to website pages they don't have access to a lot of these tools that they need for discoverability of their own marketing like let's just create some tools give these these individuals access to these tools and here's another opportunity to create a transformative educational experience through a tool um and, and so yes absolutely to your point is it equally beneficial to the person who's trying to create those first 100 you know raving fans arguably more, right? Like when I think Mm. about what we've learned in the past two and a half years of this business, I would still probably be, my messaging would not be resonating with folks as I'm talking to them. Um, I I would not nearly have the perspective I have on the industry now than I did leaving HubSpot, right? Left HubSpot and it's like, we knew how to build an economy. I learned very quickly that I I knew how to build HubSpot Academy at HubSpot. Yeah looking back nine years. But what I didn't know um, and what I've learned a lot and quickly is how much even just the culture at a business can change the approach to creating content. Um, it, it is so mind-opening when I started working with different businesses and realizing like, how, how do people learn internally? How is information shared internally? How is information valued internally? Some businesses are like, if you spend time outside of your job creating educational content, like that puts you up here. And other businesses, it's like, why are you spending the time doing that? That's like so-and-so's job. And so there's just so many different things in terms of how that, how it's valued and seen that's going to dictate the business, right? Some businesses are like, if it's not perfectly on brand with where this 10-year-old business is, don't publish it. Right? And other yeah. businesses are like, yeah, you're just starting this, like test, iterate, and go, right? Like mm-hmm. click record, don't worry about your lighting, don't worry about your makeup, who cares, just go. And both approaches can work. 
how you facilitate those approaches, right? Or only hiring this country. We're only hiring this country. We want to hire in all the countries. All of those things completely change the approach while still trying to be human, right? Still yeah. trying to bring to the table all these things. Um, so it is It is definitely, um, yeah, it, it, is, it kind of went down a rabbit hole, but it is an important aspect to, to think about. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power-Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel extra generous, kindly leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a comment on YouTube. Goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power-Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing Power-Ups. Until the next episode.